It's that time. It's that time again. It is. Let's do this. And, Welcome. Uh, Welcome back. You know, anyone per usual. Events just keep on. Uh, the hits keep coming. Oh, I know. I don't know what to do with myself here. I mean, I'm scrambling to hire a manager. <laughs> uh, you know, we got to get a staff in here, a full-time staff. But uh, you, you have any friends uh, or know of anyone or you yourself perhaps going through a quarter-life crisis? Uh, you know, if I if I can remember <laughs> back to, I mean, so what's what's a quarter life now? Like tw like twenty five? Is that what we're saying? Or like twenty two? Well, when you hear midlife crisis, twenty one. Midlife crisis. I'd say like anywhere from like forty to fifty five would be the age range that. But if the average, I just pulled that out of thin air. If the average if the average death is is you know seventy. It's like 74 to 78 years old. Yeah, in America, it's like mid-high 70s. Um, so that'd be what? You know, 18, 19? Yeah, it'd be like so 18, eight, 18, 20s, 18 and 19 year olds are having a fucking like, uh, existential crisis. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, I it's, guess it's... I can believe that with, you know, the current state of affairs. But, um, you know, the same could be said for like, anyone that if we think about when we were 17 or 18 when obama was getting elected um mm -hmm. you know that was a major shift for people i bet i bet yeah. you know a lot of people on the you know that believed as a 17 or 18 year old that they're you know conservative um that was probably a bit of a of a crisis yeah um, i will say just on a quick a quick search on the interwebs, uh, says 45 to 55 years old is typically the age range that About defines a midlife, a crisis. midlife crisis. So I, I don't think we could say 18. Let's just say like low 20s up to 30, maybe. Um, um, okay. So, but either way, like it's that's such a weird thing, um, because a. I, I don't want to make it a theme on this podcast to trash millennials, but. I mean, I'll kind of be a bit negative about millennials here. You know, there is a bit of a softness to millennials that you did not see with previous generations, particularly like, you know, our parents to our grandparents' generations. Yeah. I don't want to get into the names of these generations. I get them kind of confused sometimes, but... Well, they're, they're, it's, they're, they're, I, I guess it, the, you know, the impact of the, the uh, midlife crisis, you know, you'd see maybe like a divorce or cheating or you know a big expenditure mm -hmm. or something like that yeah financial setback but what what is our you know how is our uh generation coping with their crisis and, and i don't know if we're doing a good job at coping but I, yeah like it, i don't know. know but but like i feel like it's a combination of the current young generation, the millennials, I, I think it's a bit of that generation kind of not having as, you know, t to try to word it better instead of just, you know, throwing out the word soft, you know, there, there's there's not quite the, the, the level of fortitude among that generation compared to the ones before it. I think that combined with the fact that the younger generation in this country, all the way from, you know, high school age students right now to people our age, 28 to 30, Young people bring a lot more stress onto their lives and themselves 
than previously, I want to say. Yeah. There's a lot more stress in today's society with how fast-paced it is and how quickly people can feel like they've been left behind in their career, in their social status, and this and that. I think a big element of that would be, too, um, you know, social media. Like, that you're yeah, constantly yeah. subjecting yourself to someone else and what they're doing yes. and what you don't have or what you would like to be doing. And, and the amount of time, screen time that people are looking at on their phones, it's beaten into their brains constantly yeah. about not only what your, your peers are doing, but then also all the horrific shit that goes on around the planet on a daily yeah, basis. That's a very good point. Um, I wasn't, I, I, I probably was not about to tie social media into it, but yeah, everyone's on social media. So you are constantly, whether you, excuse me, whether you're aware of it or not, you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. And yes, another side of social media and also our 20 or ridiculous 24 hour, 24 uh, seven news cycle, there's far more exposure to the atrocities and the negatives of just things going on in the world yeah, in you... our society and other parts of the world. We're like we know of all the bad shit going on. We know yeah. of now. Yeah. Where you know you could, what you know, intentionally or unintentionally, you were shielded from it previously because the news was that our news cycle and media was not shoved down our, all of our throats. So, quarter life crisis is. We could almost say it's largely kind of self-induced i'd 100 percent say that you know if if you know, i'd be interested to find out when the midlife crisis even became a thing well i have a, i have memories of when i was a kid of um my mom and dad um particularly my mom i want to say i remember but both of them when I was a kid, they would throw that out there, that they're going through a midlife crisis, but the very like vague memories I have of that being thrown out there and mentioned in my family with my parents, I remember it was primarily uh, my mom and this new chronic back pain she was experiencing in her, in her life. So I feel like a big part of a midlife crisis, as you know, uh, the internet just kind of told us age 45 to 55, which I probably would have guessed anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's 40 to 50, yeah. maybe. Um, I think a lot of the midlife crisis is kind of just the beginnings of, you know, what is a, going to be a chronic health issue for somebody. Yeah. Chronic back pain being a thing. I mean, it, could, it can be so, that. And I think there's also a lot of reality with, you know, um, that age group. That's where you have your your kids are now individuals. Oh yeah, you're trying you have to have your trying life to... totally settled. You're mm -hmm. buckled in for them going to college. I was gonna say yeah, the, the looming the looming college payments is, a, is you, one thing. Yeah, you yeah. can't escape that. So um, I, yeah, I guess so. What we just said is just based on some of those things we just mentioned. You know, I I yeah, a midlife crisis. Uh, I, I can I can think of more external factors that would define one's midlife crisis, where with our brief assessment and trying to make sense of a quarter life crisis right now, it kind of sounded like it was all self-induced based on the things we just kind of pulled yeah. out. You know? I mean, if, if I could, if I, if I, it, if I could personalize it, you know, to think about any, well, yeah. And that's what we're doing. Existential I mean, yeah. issue that I'm currently dealing with. It would be, uh, you know, a feeling, and this is, I, I would, I would guess that this is echoed by our, our generation. Um, a feeling of, of just general powerlessness, you know, to be able yeah. to, do any 
anything that can really enforce a change. And I'd say that yeah. um, people that maybe aren't feeling that way or, or are more um, uh, against the idea for you know lack of better words are those that are more okay with the status quo. Mm-hmm. Because other than that, what's there to have a, a crisis about? Yeah. I, I mean, you don't, don't have, it, it, let's say the majority of, 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 you know, this term being thrown out is like from people that don't have kids yet. Yeah, people who don't have kids. Yeah, not married. Yeah, no chronic health issues. Yeah, like what you know, what on earth could they be in crises over? Exactly. It just has to be some of the things we mentioned. Yeah, just the constant exposure on social media to other people, many of which are not even more successful, just appear to be more successful. Right. You know, we've talked about the disingenuous, you know, how, you know, how many people are disingenuous on social media was just portraying like they have way more than they do. Like they, a yeah. lot of people just try their best to put out this most successful, cleanest image of themselves. When in reality, yeah. we're all people with faults. Very, very few of us are completely on top of everything. Yeah. It's a very small and, percentage. And I mean, if you even think about the idea of how many people are even making over a hundred thousand dollars a year and we're Mm -hmm. and we compare it to ourselves or anyone you know in our relative income bracket but somebody's entire page is dominated with these adventures and you know they're traveling all over the world and they're sipping fifteen dollar cocktails it's just like okay that you're you either have no money now because you're spending it all <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. or or yeah there, i mean there's just an obvious layer uh, of bullshitism with that yeah exactly uh, so like all these pictures and everything this is literally like a two percent of your life right the rest of the time what are you doing you're like doctoring your pictures or figuring out you're stressing about your next travel plans yeah you're like, just sitting at your desk working and i think that, job. I, I, and i think maybe this quarter life crisis thing is just yeah to your point um and i to go a little deeper into softness is is yeah it's it's just a complete lack of being content a complete yeah. um with all this self-help bullshit that people talk about and um um, you know, Zen and, and Buddhist kind of lines of thinking. It's like, it's the opposite. You know, I bet, you know, I bet these people are pretty, I bet they're barely schooled in any of these um, kind of uh, lines of thought, but they just, you know, eat up, you know, some 200 page bullshit book and think they got the world figured out. Yeah. And then uh, two weeks later, you know, they're still, you know, oh, I should travel. That'll make me happy. Uh, yeah, yeah, coming, yeah, uh, uh, quickly coming to a solution is only going to give you, you know, it's only going to solve your problems, for, you know, for a small limit. And then limited, you go back to your life and then you're just waiting until your next vacation. Yeah, it's not, you can't do that. It's not healthy. No, it's not. But yeah, it's weird because um, more so as we've entrenched ourselves in this internet, social media based society, more so now than ever, yeah, people's happiness and how they judge themselves. It starts with them and looking at other people. When in reality, your level of happiness and how you view and judge yourself, that is all just you, that should only be you analyzing yourself. Correct. Based on what your your expectations of yourself are. 
and you can't form your expectations of yourself by just looking well, at other people. If, I want that. And, and even an expectation, you know, is 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 not real. You know, so it's an, it's a further idea of yourself, an yeah. expectation. And if you're if you're so, you know, it's good to self-analyze and, and have goals. Um, but an expectation is, you know, it's the 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 real happiness or growth is the time between when you have the goal and when you achieve it. You know, it's the space in between yeah. those. Um, two things where that's actually that's what's going to keep you in the moment and and keep you happy whereas if you're only looking at your fucking vacation as the date you can be happy when, yeah. you, when you get on the airplane you can check out and then just rush around to take instagram photos at 12 different sites in switzerland you know it's just yeah and then you get back on the airplane and happiness is over and I also believe that happiness is just a generally overrated idea in and of itself. And I think that's what um, people need to wake the fuck up to. Is yeah, well, elaborate on that. It's overrated. Um, or do you, or you really just think the term itself has just been totally misconstrued? And how, like... So I, I, I guess... Yeah. So I think, okay. I think... I mean, I think happiness is... What I equate happiness to is more of content. Now there are periods of your life that can be joyful and those are more momentary. Yeah. But happiness overall, I think what people are really seeking when they say happiness is more general content with their life. And, yeah. and But what they actually think happiness is is that they should be in a state of joy all the time. Yeah. And that's just not feasible. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if that could be tied in with, you know, a lot of people, younger people nowadays, seem to have this idea that we can and should be in some sort of utopia, where or, everyone, or like a lot, of, a lot of, you yeah, know? a lot of people think everyone can and should be happy all the time. <laughs> yeah. At least it's what I kind of feel like. Where it's impossible. But again, I, like the confusion there being, I, you know, I think happiness is such a. Um, subjective term. Yeah. You know, like the way you're saying it is different from how I look at it. Well, yeah, it's 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 completely relative. We you know when you think of, I, I think we've mentioned before, or it's been said that like if you make if you make more than thirty thousand dollars in the United States of America, you're in the, that that qualifies you as the uh, upper one percent of the world, of the planet, yeah, or something like that. Yeah. And. Think of how many people in this country, you know, are making, let's say, $100,000. But for whatever the reason may be, you know, work, relationships with family or other people, a lot of people that are in that income level are unhappy. And you could have somebody making dirt down in Mexico or India or some other, you know, not a first world country, let's just say. Yeah. Where, La La anywhere in Latin America, you know, Africa. Everything's fine. They, they, they got a happy, loving family. They... You know, kids run around and laugh and play all day. The parents, you know, they're, it's not, not the best living situation, but, you know, plenty of access to food that's available and, you know, adequate whatever, you know. I mean, maybe, maybe not even like, plenty of access. Maybe not, but maybe not, not maybe it's, not, it's, but, 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 like, a lot of those people are happy. Yeah, I'd say that if you, you know, on, all, a, on, so a survey, on a survey basis, if you were to ask them, like, I, and that's what I mean. I just don't think they... 
that's why it's such a relative term because yeah. what is happiness in America is a is of a vastly different concept than than happiness in in the Congo. Well, and you kind of compared it to you know you've you've used the words uh, euphoria, joy, euphoria, yeah, euphoria, joy, joy, like like we almost just have an entirely different definition of happiness, right? To your point, so and in the whole idea of you everyone's just constantly in this seeking state of happiness they're always looking for happiness what's next what's next and i and need more i'm, I need more. I'm not like, happy yeah. this will make me happy then you get that okay i'm happy for a week i'm happy for 10 minutes i need to be happy again you know the the instant gratification components. It's just no one is ever yeah. satisfied. Nothing's good enough. You could you could really extend that. And I think that's going back to the quarter life crisis where yeah. that people are finding themselves in. And I don't know if this has been talked about really pre COVID, um, but it, it, you know if this is now a COVID term, I think it, I think it points that out that now that people are unable to do their bullshit travel all the time. Um, that oh god I'm unhappy. Yeah, yeah, that that fleeting happiness. That I can't they, go take pictures of myself. Yeah, yeah, the the fleeting happiness that one gets from traveling, let's say, just here and there, is just yeah, that's been yanked out from underneath you all, all of a sudden. So holy shit, I don't have, you know, that was my little definition of happiness that I get here and there when I travel. Like that's gone now. So shit, how do I? I mean, who the fuck doesn't like to travel? I know. I. It, it, <laughs> so it, it's just. I, it's funny, but you made an interesting point just now that, like, you know, a lot of people think that once they get X, they're happy, and that's it. When in reality, a lot of those people, that's not enough, then what's next, or how do I get more? You could really kind of extend that concept to what we've recently discussed here and there, how, you know, how we don't like America's current application of capitalism. That yeah, it's just a th consumerist. Like, like, like they're, like... To no, there's no. It does not appear that companies are. I'm, I'm talking major corporations. Nothing satisfies them. No, no, yeah. no financial goal, nor no goal of like you know profit or revenue yeah. or this or that. Like none of it is good enough. Once they get to like as ridiculous as a goal may be, if a company blows up and is wildly successful with an unbelievable cash flow, they can hit this goal, that goal, that goal. Based on their actions, after that, it's not enough, obviously. No. These major corporations, nothing is enough. And I've used the term before, maybe on this podcast, that like, you know, God forbid one fucking penny rolls out the door. You know, we could look at this on a macro scale with corporations and like, what is it going to take for any of these major corporations to be content? I don't know. I, I think that's... And that is why capitalism the, think, is shoved down our throat in every corner of every aspect of our you know, society. I mean, that's how, that's, can't how, that, that's, how, that's how it's worked since it really got yeah. introduced is that you have to have these massive um, industrial revolutions or, you know, that basically prop up the next stage of capitalism to be able to mm. then... You know, uh, ascend into just this newfound wealth. So, if you look at like 
the Industrial Revolution was uh, in America was you know kind of the first thing in the 1850s, and then you had the auto industry kind of break in in mm-hmm. the early 1900s. Then we had World War II, where we were just able to become via Europe being totally destroyed, um, you know, a supplier and and um, financier of the rest of the world. And then you had um, the, I mean, the next thing would really be, you know, the dot-com boom, which Mm -hmm. took another step. And then all in between that was uh, continual financialization of fucking everything. Everything. Where you had investment banks and, you know, loans and just before that. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like. And so we're on that precipice right now, you know, to where there's a pending economic collapse where we need some kind of jolt to get to the next again the next fucking yeah, level of capitalism I guess, I guess i mean yeah nothing yeah nothing seems to be enough i mean i've said recently before you know you can't even turn on a video game and just play and enjoy like you just the microtransactions being shoved down your throat you know, whether it's the home screen of your Xbox or, like, you know, the, the main menu of the game you boot up, just, like, promotional shit being flashing up. Yeah. Like, you can't this, escape. Like, it's, you know? it's just, it is everywhere. I mean, it's it's bizarre. But, yeah, I, so like, I guess literally, like, yeah, I mean, we've... Well, and there's... Like, yeah, know, there's it's on total... the individual and, like, the corporation level. Yeah, nothing is good enough. There's no, no, no one's content. I mean, it's not like, again, I think... Or, or, you know, I think it's important to point out when we're talking about corporations, you know, the whole idea now is that, or, you know, this past in, God, I don't know the year, but it was, you know, the law that basically said that corporations are people. And yeah. corporations aren't fucking people. I don't know. They're, they're made up of people. So when, when we're talking about why they're not satisfied, that's because none of the people are satisfied yeah all the executives all the shareholders more 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 yeah it's literally the yeah entry-level employees all the way up to the executives they all want more it's across the board that mentality yeah obviously it's a bit more you know it's a bit more appalling it's more appalling when you get to the higher level people of course but it's the the fact remains that yeah it's that's an across the board mentality yeah so and that's why uh, that's why I think to like adopt a, a kind of different firm corporate company structure of having more employees ha- reap the benefits of their company doing well. Yeah. You know, when you blow when you have success that it, it doesn't mean that everyone in the company gets a raise. It doesn't mean that everybody gets a bonus card. You get a fucking email. Uh, yeah, a thank you email yeah. for your hard work. And, oh, we're going to have pizza uh, next Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> I mean, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, if that. <laughs> I guess, you know. That's why, um, I take, that's why I take advantage of any free lunches we get at our company. That's why I take advantage. Because it's like, if this is all you're going to fucking give us, I'm going to fucking binge <laughs> eat and pack my body to capacity with food so I'm not hungry for two days. <laughs> so at the least, I'm going to do that. But yeah that actually can swing the opposite direction I, I sometimes have i've binge eaten myself at work on free lunches to the point where i actually have even a higher level of disdain for the success that we had yep <laughs> no no it's uh yeah it's it's wild i mean i i think 
that this quarter life crisis that's being talked about is is maybe is maybe just that everybody kind of whether they you know are able to dive deeper into the whys for themselves or they just think they have a quarter life crisis there's the subconscious level that is telling them no matter how much they travel no how matter no matter how much they buy from fucking amazon that they're still not happy yeah and then you look into the future you project the future as to okay if we keep going like this hmm no matter how much money i fucking make no matter how much i keep buying and traveling once i've traveled to every single fucking continent on the world and i've gone to 90 different countries i'm still not happy yeah yeah, you know, and it's it's gonna take a get li- over it. It's literally it's gonna take a lot for us to transition out of that mindset. It's gonna take some sort of a cultural movement. I don't know what in the world it may be. I don't know if we can get out of that mindset. We're only gonna get further into it. And then I mean, and what's next? Like a just check out. A, a f- like it's like, like it's, it's it, you know just like throwing like a matrix example. Matrix example. It's just unplug. Yeah. You know, it just. Put your head into a fucking book. Get yourself off of goddamn social yeah. media. Put the phone, set the phone aside Quit for looking for a at few the hours. news for yeah. for every ten minutes of the day yeah. to see it, what it, other it, like. And sometimes, yeah, if you, whether you're on a vacation or not, set the phone aside for a few hours or maybe even a whole day. Even oh man, that's wow. That sounds crazy though, right? There's but there, like some of my favorite, some of the most enjoyable vacations that I've ever had. I'll, I'll use one as an example. I believe it was summer of 2016. Um, my good friend Cody and I, we went to Lake Mead. Uh, his dad rented a houseboat and had Cody, his wife, me, uh, a couple other close friends of theirs, which were very cool. You know, we very much got along with and had super fun with. And we took this houseboat out in Lake Mead. And Lake Mead is, you know, it's out in the middle of the desert. And it's not like Lake Havasu, as I've told you. I travel there. Um, I take a little vacation there once, once a year. Um good friend of mine has a second vacation home in a boat there but lake mead is very different in that it's just away from everything there's no towns or anything along the lake and in the houseboat as soon as you get out of the like dock pier area where they run the houseboat rental business you're off the grid your phone is disconnected there's no yeah. service yeah and what you do is you find a spot and you just you you beach up the houseboat and you're basically just camped there for a day or two or three. Yeah. And we were camped there for about two two full days, uh, two full days, two nights. Everyone's phone off the network. It was so relaxing. It was so cathartic. And I like the word you use. We we all unplugged. Yeah. And it was it was just phenomenal. It was the most relaxing thing ever. You know. People were, you know, we were all like, just from like being active and, you know, drinking and dicking around, people were kind of, you know, passing out and going to sleep early. But, you know, on the flip side, everyone was waking up at the crack of dawn. We were on the sun schedule, which, yeah. was, which was crazy. I mean, I remember one morning I woke up at the yeah, ass crack of- who gives a of, fuck what time it is? Exactly, yeah. who gives a fuck? Yeah, we, we, I woke up at the crack of dawn, like the sun was halfway over this mountain, um, you know, right next to the lake. And I wake up and it's like the sun's just peeking over with the morning light, you know, just- glossing over the hill right next to where our boat was docked up and there was just a a, a pack of wild donkeys just like 15 20 feet away from our boat just yeah. just chilling just walking yeah. around slowly and in that moment i was like this is amazing we're just like like i rarely ever in my life have just felt like i am just part of the environment yeah but we are just completely just one 
with like the planet in this environment right now. And yeah. there's nothing electronic other than the houseboat having, you know, a couple mini fridges with some food in it. Yeah. And you know, the gas in the boat that'll inevitably get us back. There was, that was it. And yeah. it was funny because the day we came back, we were like, you know, cruising down the main, uh, the main bay where the, uh, boat was we hit a point where we all got cell service and everyone's phone just started blowing up and yeah. buzzing and dinging and everyone's yeah. pulling their phone out looking at the phone it was literally like we were coming back into the matrix yeah it was yeah. so funny but that is a vacation not some instagram based bullshit right and but i i think that most people I, don't have I, a real getaway like that a I, getaway i i mean i i think that's probably i need to do that that's, more that's probably why on you know a, a bit of a level that people do like travel because it allows them to escape that, you know? So it's like, a yeah, people, a lot yeah. like a lot of people are out there for the Instagram shit too. Yeah. And just to come back and talk about it, blah, blah, blah. But I think while they're there, their, their use of their phone aside from maps is probably much less. Yeah. And so it, it does, it does check them out yeah. from, or unplug them for mm-hmm. a, a temporary period from that life but then it's that's again like if you can't bring that attitude back to your daily life true then you're always going to be looking to do that again thinking that travel is the thing that is making you happy yeah when it's probably a deeper issue that's true yeah and you know um i will say you know in that particular trip although i came out of it you know remembering these things Going into it, we didn't have much of a choice but to unplug with like the cell service. So we were, our hand was a bit forced in that way, which yeah. I'm thankful for. But you know, I, I can just go back to um, you know, I was in San Diego for an entire week last week, and the most enjoyable parts of that week long vacation for me was when I left my phone in the car, and Cody and I just took anywhere from two to four hours to you know hit some you know hiking trail. Yeah, out of the city, we see nothing but rolling hills and rocks and you know like you know the landscape yeah no phones on us no nothing those are like the best moments uh, of that trip and yeah like like most people yeah i need to make more of an effort to a take those trips where you take the you know where you truly unplug like that but to what you said b and this is the more difficult facet bringing that mentality to some degree in some shape or form back into your daily life yeah where okay, I'm only going to be on. You know, I'm not going to be on my phone in the evenings. I'm just done. Like I don't need. I don't need to be on my phone. Yeah. Like for the last hour or two of every day of my life. Yeah. I could you know be on the phone during the day here and there, do what you got to do, but have a point in time every day or at least every week where you just unplug. Yeah. Whether you bury your face in a book, like you said, whether you know I mean, you, whatever, grab an instrument. I, I don't. Yeah. Like, I mean, even you know. Like yeah, and this isn't the best. Video even, games even, could even, be. even yeah, even playing video games or watching a TV show. Which is, you know, it is less mentally stimulating than some other things we mentioned. But even just that, if you can just get away from the phone well, and, and actually engage with whatever it is you're doing. Yes. That's, that's the trick. Yeah. Because if we think about some of our friends, it, you, even when a TV show is on, the phone is still in front of their face. Yeah, exactly. So a, a movie can't be watched in its entirety without four or five phone checks, yeah. you know, some text messages. Exactly. Uh, and that's like the people who, you know, they go on a vacation where they could unplug, but they choose to just be on their phone still all the yeah. time, constantly take pic, uh, you know, the Instagram, right. the gram, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like the, people like, constantly need to know. I, I, I think we, I might've touched on this before, but 
I thought it was very interesting when I when I deleted my social media, you know, I thought in in my narcissism that there was, you know, some potential for somebody contacting me and being like, Will, noticed you deleted all your social media accounts. Nope. Yeah. No one cares and no one cares about you. They only care about themselves and their relation to you. Yeah. If you like their shit, they like your shit, that's where it's coming from. If you're gone, no one fucking skips a beat mm-hmm. on the on the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, maybe it's a bit narcissistic, but I mean, it's a legitimate thought to have. Huh, who am I going to hear from uh, on this? Like, yeah, it's a legitimate yeah. thought to have. I would wonder that myself if, you know, I, I've... Like going, you know, it, it, it's a, like going dark. Mm-hmm. Um, That's how a lot of people would see it. Yeah, when in reality, yeah, just not having social media is not going dark. You're just not partaking in social media. Yeah. Which is, but, uh... It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, to, like, I, I mean, the, the, I, I think those are the, the, those are, those would be my hypotheses on, on, the quarter life crisis. Yeah. Um, not to, into like what we were talking about to kind of segue or dovetail into something else would be the constant consumerism advertisement that you can't get away from. No, you can't. Adver- you're constantly being bombarded with shit to buy. Why you need this? <coughs> Your soap sucks. We make man soap. I've been really irritated uh, by those ads. <laughs> like, that's I've actually I found it funny now. Some of these YouTube ads that are just like boldly, you know, just saying the product you're using sucks. No, yeah, I don't like the way they come at you. Yeah, I, don't, like, I, I really, it really pisses me off. It's like, no, I am a fan of Irish Spring bars of soap. They're good. Yeah, they do what they're supposed to do. I've never had a reaction. Buy our eight dollar. Soap and, like, yeah, and get the, sign up for a subscription box. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. No, that like <laughs> fucking. They dude. had they had one ad that I saw a few weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago. This is what really did it for me, where I was like, wow, I'm like literally actively disliking now. This where I didn't give a shit before. Most advertising doesn't get to me. I actively dislike these assholes now. Yeah. And the ad was, I don't know if it was still talking about a soap. And therefore, it was talking about, like, the way your man smells or, like, I don't know if it was, like, a beard trimmer or a pube trimmer or something. Yeah, but, yeah. like, they just had this ridiculously hot chick with a huge rack. Yeah. And she just, like, it was, like, it wasn't so, like, and it was just, like, it was a really quick ad. And it was, like, this super hot chick with a rack that's, like, don't you want to smell good or something like that? I'm, like, oh, my fucking God. They think we're this stupid? Sex sells. I mean, that's age old. Like, are you kid? Like, that was insulting for me to see. But yeah, the way that these ads, like, and that's just but the think general, about it, like, like, it's not, you know, you know. Yeah, the maybe, soap you're using sucks. E- like, uh, fuck you, bro. Like, yeah. it's, it's like that's what I, that's my reaction. Oh, let me let me let me look into this product. Maybe I should switch. No, no, it's the opposite for me. No, actually, fuck you, dude, and get the fuck off my screen. I can't skip this fast but this, enough. This is this is. I mean. It's relative, like, it's specific to a, a girl, you know, a hot girl. Um, Sorry, I just got worked up. But. Being, 
it being you know the catalyst of, of the sale to men. I, I mean, think about when we were in middle school. Do you remember Bod? Bod body spray? I think so. Was that like kind of, uh, did that kind of come out after Axe made a big I, splash? It was like right in the same time period. Okay. But the Bod ads were seductive women voices saying, we want your Bod. I remember that. Yes, I remember that. And uh, oh my God. like all, all of the Axe commercials were very sexually oriented. And so what I think about these soap ads, yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing them. But think about these actually being targeted towards 12-year-olds. That's true. Yeah, more so now than ever, kids have access to their parents' credit cards. I mean, that's it, a, it huge, it, it, that's like, a huge point of marketing. There's, there's a psychology in advertising I know. surrounding yeah. nagging. It starts, <laughs> it starts at like, like said, two to three years yeah. old. These kids are being advertised to, <laughs> and they know how to get kids to nag. Their yeah. parents it used to, to be, buy them shit. Because yeah, I never went out of my way to buy Axe, but like some of my friends had it or something. I never bought Axe. I asked my I parents a, to buy it for I me. had a can and my mom yeah. just started buying Axe. For I know. Me, you know? And yeah, so, I never have once bought Axe in my life. There was just a couple years in my life where I asked my parents to buy it and they did. Right. I never once in my fucking life bought Axe. So think about how much sales of Axe, think about how many people spent money to buy Axe and their products. It didn't use. I them. didn't have it a didn't use fucking them. armpit like, hair until I was 16 years old. But you needed to have axe. But I had axe from the time I was in yeah, seventh grade. Because you wanted some chick to say, I like your butt, or yeah, whatever the yeah. fuck it was. Yeah, smell like, great. Yeah, but like, uh, this is, it's funny you say that though, because a big part now, when we were kids, these used to only be limited to toy commercials on Nickelodeon Cartoon Network. But now we're literally seeing that those same exact strategies and that same exact um, psychology used for like more adult products now. Oh yeah. Like body care products, video games. Yeah. Like it's it's the fact that more kids now than ever, most kids in middle upper class suburban America, on some level have they have access to their parents' credit cards or at the very least the, there's the nagging aspect. Yeah. A lot of times they just straight up have their parents' credit card. Yeah. Whether they're buying microtransactions well, yeah, they in a video game or yeah. buying music yeah. like incessantly or ordering shit on Amazon because they just, they hop on the internet browser and their parents, you know, like every fucking internet browser now, you're automatically logged into everything 24-7 yeah, now. Yeah. Kids just go on the internet and just click and buy on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, obviously there's a lot of things contributing to this, but that is one little thing at least that has contributed to a disturbing thing that you've enlightened me about, the fact that about one-fifth of the United States total GDP is marketing and advertising. Involved around, yeah. That is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. That is. says a lot about where we're currently at in our society. Well, uh, and, that, and, and again, that touches on well, uh, something I mentioned a little bit ago that we've talked about. Just the current state of our capitalism. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about it earlier. You know? Yeah. The, it, again, yeah. Our current application of capitalism, that says a lot about it. Yeah. yeah uh, it's... Uh, that really kind of like that really like that that so if we think about um, you know capitalism being you know idealistically the what's you know brought us all this wealth and you know gain and blah 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 and it's you know worked for other countries as well to at least believe that idea mm -hmm. um, and then look at look at it we had. 20% of our fucking GDP is just marketing ads, you know? That's, yeah. Give me a fucking break. 
who needs this shit? I know. Like, Irish Spring Soap. Why do we need 400,000 different types of body sprays? Yeah. On top of that, they'll all in some way try to tell you that they're different. Each and every individual one of them. It's all body spray. Who gives a you know? fuck? But, you know, I mean, having said that, we do want competition. It's, it's good, like, but, it's, but it, it, it's just the way that it, it's done is... Yeah. You can't... I, it, yes, competition is not a, a bad um, thing. If you, have a, if you have a good idea, I mean, that's, that's one of the good things about capitalism. You have a good idea, it works, it succeeds. Mm-hmm. You know, if people like it... It makes you money. It gives people what they want. They're engaged in a mutually beneficial transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's just a level of it now, especially with these mammoth companies that exist. Where, or, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. It's not four hundred thousand. We have four hundred thousand options, but it's really seven to ten companies that are in control of all of you, giving you the illusion that you have a choice when really all the profits are going to the same fucking people. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I, it, God, it's irritating. I know, but I mean, kind of like what we said earlier about like, you know. And then to I, talk about the um, what standard of, of living is. Oh, yeah. You know, to segue into that is standard of living for... What was that raw equation again? It was... GDP um, divided by the population. GDP divided by population. So, equals standard of living. And one-fifth of our GDP, (laughs) a.k.a. our standard of living, is advertisement. Well, I think the fact that one-fifth of our GDP is advertisement, that really kind of... um, the, the, the actual, uh, the, like, the reliability of anything involving GDP is kind of in question now for me. Any, any, yeah. any measure of anything involving GDP, I have to, I, I'm, I'm going to take with a huge grain of salt going forward. And so, and I think all these things tie in very well together, actually, because... Yeah, a lot of them, oh, for sure. So if... Completely. If our standard of living is, you know, the highest on the planet... Then why are people going through quarter life crisis? Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. So we're now at a crisis stage, one hundred percent earlier than than <laughs> we were before. Well, yeah, yeah. Like I said, most of these most people going through this quote unquote quarter life crisis are you know in the top one percent of the world. Again, like right. yeah, yeah, they're making more than thirty thousand dollars. I mean, you know, if we want to get that basic, but yeah. It, 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 all, a lot of these things, yeah, they just don't quite make sense. No, it's weird. I, 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 it, I like I, I I've started. I, I've I, I think I've always had trouble with econ because it's I just disagree fundamentally with so many of the terms that are used. Yeah, and, and all the their equations though. come down to words. It's weird. It's not math. Yeah. Like. It's not just numbers, you know, like Y, X. No, it's like marginal rate of return. What the fuck does that mean? You know, it's just like five different words that are, then you have numbers associated with these different words. It's not just numbers. Yeah, it's kind of like a lot of, a lot of, it's a fancy, it's a fancy puzzle. 
Yeah, a lot of econ is just, you know, enough people agree on this, so it's now a fact. It's yeah. kind of what econ yeah. is largely kind of based on. Enough people, I've told you before, like if you want to I mean, get, that's like value, I guess. Like, you, you know, it, you get into the nitty, like, you know, get in the nitty gritty of finance, which is just, you know, kind of micro econ a lot. There's a lot of, you know, relation there. I mean, finance is it, much it, simpler, in my opinion. It is it a lot actually, simpler. It is a lot simpler. But there still leaves it even as elements of that, where like enough people agree that this is what the equation means and this equation is now fact. Yeah. Where it's like, well, what if you just make this slightest adjustment here or there right. in this number? Then yeah. it still can be very valid, but that's not what they agreed on. That's wrong. No, yeah. That's you like know? accounting, too. But, yeah, accounting yeah. is the, the same But way. yeah, no, there's certainly, like, yeah, to your point, yeah, finance is definitely more, uh, it's more focused and more numbers driven. But there still is a lot of that. There still is a lot of that weirdness of econ kind of that bleeds into other areas. But yeah. it's just... And I guess, like, yeah, I... And ultimately, I, like, yeah, I, can, like, you, can e you really... Econ is more of... Or if you look at um, different schools of thought surrounding econ, it's essentially fucking philosophy. Yeah. You it, know, it, and at it, least philosophy is always just interpretable. Whereas we've we've taken... Well, in, yeah, I was going to say philosophy is open. Right. It's open to, you know... The thing with philosophy is that it's so raw and basic when you get down to it. You know, like... What like the concept of an atom or or something you know when I, think I wasn't it was even like thinking that Socrates I'm thinking of or... yeah I'm thinking of some of the basic you know Socrates Plato like it just gets so basic and raw that it's almost hard to refute some of the quote unquote facts that we accept now in philosophy. Well, um, I mean, what, but I mean, what's a fact that you accept in philosophy? I don't, I don't know. I I, I, I mean, I, you can talk about that. That's that's why. Um, there's that's why there's you know no value really in philosophy you yeah know, from weird. an econ perspective yes yeah it's weird um we have more people though you know I the mean, only value for, from for, an econ perspective of a philosopher is the fact that he's teaching at an educational institution i was just gonna i was literally about to just say that like the career path in philosophy is limited to just teaching at the high school or, you know, university level, you know, yeah. more so university level, which is, you know, very, very limiting. Or now we have career. these kind of philosophers that are writing books and kind of becoming social media personalities. Um, okay. And so there's a value there because now they're being monetized for public consumption outside of the university. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, in terms of you know, in terms of finding your, in terms of finding happiness, more people should just really get philosophical. Right. I, get, I, get, I, think, just, get, should, I think there should be a... With themselves, yeah. Dive into yourself, your psyche, ignore everyone else, ignore what's happening else around in the world. Dive into yourself, analyze yourself, I, I, employ I, philosophical thought to yourself. Right. And I, I think people need to get over the idea of, of you're not, one isn't educated enough to explore these thoughts that's bullshit yeah you know? that's completely that's complete bullshit in my opinion educated enough to explore these thoughts um if you can if you can read right yeah i mean you don't like, even you don't you, even like yeah read that's a, it read a sentence that's and, it and think about it you need to be know how to read and just interpret what you read retain what you read that's I mean, it you, even even if you don't know how to read and you have somebody um uh just if you're it's just true. In, if you're just in conversation like it, it 
It's it doesn't yeah. totally That's matter. True. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah, you could not even read. You could just engage in conversation with somebody you know. You know, I mean, how many like how many moments of you know, not even necessarily profound, but that have elicited great thought that have nothing to do um, with, with any form of education, you know, just in our lives. Like, mm. if you walk down the street and you see somebody do a good deed or a horrible deed, um, you don't think about it? You know, you, there's there's nothing that... It, and that yeah. requires no education. Yeah. Um, to be able to relate that experience to yourself and then how you go about the rest of your day and or life. Yeah, no, nobody... Yeah, no one really will get into the philosophical realm, whether in the subject matter they read or just their thoughts and their analysis of things they experience. Yeah, no one really gets into that realm at all. No, there's all just that such I a see. trust of what's going on around you all the time. Yeah, that's what it seems like. But um, I mean, in it, like reality is what it is. You know, what's going on around you is exactly what's going on around you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean. Um, but to just to just not and, even... and a, lot, a lot of people get worked up, and I'm not saying people shouldn't care about ongoing social issues. You know, they're def people definitely need to be aware of the ongoing social issues. But there seems to be a neglect of one's immediate surroundings as they dive further and further and further into the ongoing macro social issues in this country. You know, we could talk about the yeah. race issue currently, our you know current issue and questioning of our law enforcement. Um, Things of that nature, a lot of people, you know, they dive so deep into these social issues, which is fine to stay, you know, kind of up to date and knowledgeable with these issues going on, but it cannot come at the cost of completely neglecting what is going on in your life and your experiences in your world. Yeah. That cannot be a cost yeah. of that. Yeah. And that seems to kind of appear what's happening is people are constantly getting worked up about these social issues, which is fair and it's very valid. And it is, is needed if you're a member of an oppressed community or group of people. But you cannot neglect your immediate surroundings. You can't. Right. You cannot, like, neglect or ignore the, whether the positive or the negative things you see around you. Like you said, if someone does a great deed that you witness or if someone does something terrible, you can't just ignore that or not pay attention yeah, but I to feel it like and then go home and worry about shit that's going on you know exactly, outside of your exactly. life exactly i feel like that's that's what fucking happened you know i mean how many how many like you know i there there have been great thing i mean and it's also just I, I guess it's like a human mind um propensity to focus more on bad than good you know, it, well, that let's, that could go back to uh, you know our, our 24/7 news cycle, right? Um, yeah, and maybe there's an element of just you know, I, it's sadly, how, how we've grown up. Yeah, the nature is, is it's all bad, you know. Uh, yeah, but, but then it, when everybody reflects on their childhood, not everyone, but when when like people find a, a, a solace in simpler times. Yeah, which shockingly, apparently, you only need to go back fifteen to twenty years for that simpler times. You know, apparently it was yeah, was or, it that or, different or, or, or three months ago? You know, <laughs> that's true. January. Yeah. <laughs> Six months ago. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, no, yeah. It's, but no, I mean, COVID wasn't a thing till kind of mid late February. You know, the shutdown was early mid March. Yeah. Yeah, you really just got to go back four or five months, even. But yeah, I mean. 
And I find that I, I, I find that funny too. I mean, we we've we've discussed you know before returning to some state of normalcy, and it will be it will be challenging if it'll be a new normal. It is yeah. There's no there's yeah, no returning. Yeah. There's no going back. Yeah, it'll be a new normal. We're gonna see you know, face masks at the airport will be commonplace for the rest of our lives. I think. Um, yeah, I, not everyone, I, I, but I, like I mean, I think that's like the smallest. Yeah, no, that's like just that's just yeah, that's that. the smallest. If a um, fucking face yeah. mask mask at an airport is the you know greatest. Um, this is an Inconvenience to our lives that we walk out of this. Oh, that's this, this will have been just a horrible failure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a weird way, that would almost be yeah. I, in a weird way, I would feel very confused by that. But um, I feel like that might be the case. I mean, it, it might take a few years, but um, I, it's funny. I think I said this to you uh, this past weekend um, that I, I think you know before we know it, we're going to find ourselves using the term like we do pre and post nine eleven. Pre post COVID. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, I remember going to the grocery store pre COVID. Just walk in, no mask. No, yeah. Like, everything's fine. Yeah, you know, flying. How much? You know, I remember how much quicker it was and easier and flying. Actually, the, the it's, it's actually it's I, still I had a, just as quick. Now the security lines are. Yeah, yeah that's true. But, but the reason is airlines. Um, like when I flew to San Diego and back, week week and a half ago. Um, did you have direct flight? Or yeah, you have to, I always to... I always do direct. Luckily, because I go southwest all day, and they have plenty of direct from Chicago to San Diego. But the current mandate with Southwest Airlines, as I imagine other airlines are doing, is that um, there has to be a seat in between everyone. So it's middle seat. Oh, so they did. You so, did have a middle. So on the airline, all the, middle seats are empty. So that's all, not a mandate. It's not. Well, that's what Southwest is doing. So. Granted, they may be financially better off than other airlines. They have a pretty rock solid business model compared to other airlines. But it was so nice. It was uh, it was the best airport experience I've ever had. Despite the fact that I was wearing a face mask and I took an extra step further and wore gloves, which don't protect you from it, it that only prevented me from touching my face. I had many moments where I was like about to adjust my face mask or scratch my face and I like stopped. That's all it did for me, not really protect well, from the germs. So yeah, I, I quickly realized that was the effect of gloves, but just to be extra safe. Um, despite the fact that I had a face mask and, and, and like gloves on, it was incredible. There was no security. Yeah. There was yeah. no security. Yeah. I got through security in five minutes. And on the plane, like I said, no middle seating. So uh, everyone got to spread out. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like it was it was nice. But I imagine that once airlines return to full capacity with flights, and once the population starts traveling, yeah, with 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 the face masks and like security just taking a little bit longer, and like yeah, it's gonna be a zoo. yeah. Not to mention, people are gonna come out in mass to travel to make up for lost yeah. vacations that they haven't had. You know, I, like, I'd imagine that there's um, I, I haven't looked at any data to support this, but I would imagine that there's more general saving going on amongst the United States population. Oh, 100%. I told you, I, I said to you recently, I've saved a lot of money during COVID. Yeah. I mean, anybody who anybody who eats out a lot and or drinks out a lot, absolutely you're saving money. Well, I... I, I, I would imagine. Like, I'm saving I, like, money. I just, I, I just don't know what the average... Granted, I'm a single dude living on my on my own. With spending habits are though, you know, it could be like I feel like it's 
people will if if spending spending money is one of those joy type of um, feelings that I I was talking about earlier to where you know making a purchase on Amazon has a direct like serotonin response which is the uh, neuro uh, molecule that elicits a feeling of joy and, yeah. and happiness when you do that it's a it's a good feeling so if people are not getting that fix like they're used to from uh-huh. going out and eating i'd imagine it's being it's some people are pouring that elsewhere mm-hmm. you would think yeah i mean well, I mean, I was doing that at the beginning of COVID. Um, you and I were drinking almost every single day at, at my place yeah. or your place. Um, in the first month of COVID, I, I think was, that I, was more, I was more be- depression than looking. Yeah, uh, it, could, it could be both. It could be depression and what you said. But, but, you know, I mean, I was beaten off almost every day, which I usually don't beat off every day. Um, That's I was. I was, you know, I was smoking weed far more frequently for the first, like, yeah, the first month of COVID, I was a disaster. I had absolutely no self-control in any of my vices. I was eating, sh- I was eating shit food. I was beaten off like every day. I was drinking almost every day. I was smoking most days. Like, and then after like I put my foot down a month, month and a half in. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna clean my act up. And you know, since like the quit, f- quit beating it. Well, that was just one. That's just that's just one. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not about to focus on that. Uh, we could talk about my beat habits uh, uh, for another podcast. <laughs> But no, yeah, I had to put my foot down and just, you know, take control of my habits in my life. And, you know, it was, and during COVID, it's a, it was a bit more difficult and it took a couple weeks, but I finally got back to my normal routine of, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to, you know, just drink and dick around on the weekends. Yeah. So I, I, it, it took more of an effort, but I reintroduced that sense of normalcy in my life. There was still a void without being able to go out and do things. But yeah, people absolutely in the beginning and a lot of people even still now yeah there's still there's that release those endorphins that you know yeah you know when, when you engage in those like whether you want to call it a guilty pleasure or whatever people in some way got to still be I, I would be i would be very curious also to know what impact the quarantine lockdown state has had on activity within social media so i'm curious if it's stayed well you know it's funny i I actually think uh, gone up gone down i actually think way more so than quarantine i think social media activity was um way more impacted and increased by the killing of george floyd and the subsequent black lives matter movement i think that had way more of an impact on social media activity than uh covid yeah but i imagine covid also did have some impact if anything being at home more not being able to go out people were more so on social media looking at other people comparing themselves to other people and, and, and lowering their level of happiness people by, were doing like spoof like yeah videos of like them at home with dad just being annoyed with the kids around yeah like they're no but let's let's bring this full circle i mean you know being at the end of the podcast let's bring this full circle real quick that like yeah i, I think uh being at home more not being able to go out you're on social media more and you are unintentionally becoming a detriment to your goal of happiness by being even more so on social media and even more so looking at other people. I mean, it's a good time like to 
I mean, now things are starting to you know, open up a little bit more. So slowly but good. surely, but it was a period to like for me. I, I started getting more into reading, and so now that part of my life has been opened back up. Like it was an excellent opportunity to yeah. explore a new hobby or get into one. Yeah, or dive deeper into an existing hobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's. No, I think we're still in the early stages of noticing the effects of this whole quarantine well, COVID I, thing. Well, I saw... I came there still is a lot to be noticed still. I came across an article today that... Um, or just a headline, basically. I, I didn't read into it. But, you know, the headline of the article is that we were, we're currently in the greatest psychological experiment to date. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's kind of what I... Yeah, I was kind of getting at that with that statement. That's a great way to phrase it. We are, in a way. You know, and a lot of people are handling it well. A lot of people aren't. It kind of depends on... Kind of depends well, on... Any, I, like, if there's not much of a choice in in how you handle it when, when uh, uh, immediately upon COVID hitting, you know, essential workers didn't have the option to not, like subject themselves to harm yeah so they're, yeah. They, they didn't even have the the ability to check out like i mean not totally check out anybody that is working from home remote is still doing their job but there's a there's a freedom of being able to escape like you know i went down to texas for three weeks and was able to just work down there um the the girl I met uh, a couple days ago ha- had been back and forth from Miami a couple times um, visiting mm-hmm. her family. So it's you you were able to kind of change up your environment if you needed to cope or had or had the ability to fly somewhere versus essential employees having to go out and and continue to do their jobs on a daily basis which, yeah so they didn't in in, in, a, compa- yeah, it, in a comparative component they're on social media comparing their lives to all this remote work bullshit when they're the ones still you know the healthcare heroes and yeah. whatnot that are it, it, yeah it's very yeah, like I said, yeah, there's a lot still for us to learn. Yeah, we're still in the early stages of really seeing effects. Oh, I don't think I don't think we've aside from the deaths mm-hmm. um, and hospitalizations of people, I, I, we have no clue. I think what the real impact of this is. Yeah, again, there's no. speculation on an economic impact, but. I don't think anyone really knows what that means at this point. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no, no one's going to have any, you know, clear cut idea yet. Again, yeah, there's just a lot still to learn. I mean, there, we don't even know, we don't even fully understand coronavirus yet. We're still learning new shit. Yeah. I didn't even hear, I didn't even hear at all until two to three weeks ago that like vitamin D is a big thing. Like that just is a, in, in the last month. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean, you don't remember earlier uh, on when, when Trump had his, Heat, you know, heat 
the sun is good. Yeah, there was a funny like interview with him. That's about true. It. I thought that I thought that was not really commenting on vitamin D and like the the importance. It wasn't, of it. I, mean, I thought that was just that, commenting on the potential seasonal nature of the virus. Is what I thought that was commenting on. That like no, I think, uh, I, that when I, the summer the rolls he, around, like the flu, it's gonna kind of die down. Like uh, you know, that's that was kind of a very generic take. I thought. But th- but it's interesting know, to I, see, or if you think. Or, you know, you, you came across something that said vitamin D is some, some you know, plays a, plays a solid, has any yeah, if you're positive deficient. impact. Yeah, well, I think, I think that, the that, impact. T- that tells people to get outside. Yeah. Not necessarily social distance. Just get outside. Um, yeah, which makes inherently more people outside and about. And, and if anything. It means it's harder it's, to social it's distance. Inter- it's actually, this is. I'm going to um, hypothesize here. So like we were talking about last night with Joe, um, how these protests have, we're unable to relate at this point any spike in COVID cases resulting from protests and a lack of, of social distance. So... Yeah, that is strange. My point there being... That we can, if that continues to be the case, then we're going to have a, a few months of a case to make for people to attend football games and outdoor concerts and just wear a mask. Yeah, because I, I, I did mention to you, I partook in one, I, I very little took it, partook in one protest. I walked a little bit with the march down Clark Street here in Lakeview. I was surprised. Literally every person protesting was wearing a mask. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you have a point there, but is that going to be the message that is sent? Hey, we're opening up concerts, sporting events, arenas. Just wear a mask. Not arenas. Like basketball would be fucked. Anything indoor. I guess the indoor is different. There's no open air. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like that's not going to be a message that we hear. Like, yes, open stadiums and, and large gatherings. Yeah, it's fine as long as you wear a mask. I don't like, know. Like, I, I don't really I, I, think I, I that's... Could, I could see that. Well, that's not going to happen for several more months at least, I feel. I don't think that's going to happen in time for football in late August, early September. I don't think we're going to be at that point to feel comfortable enough to pack in a, a stadium with eight, 100,000 people. You know, on the larger side of it, you know, some of the larger college football stadiums, 100,000 people in a bowl, all facing each other. Like, I, I, I hope... That's, my my dad made the comment to me. He's like, "We're not going. We're not going to a football game if we have to wear a mask in the stadium the entire time." That's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know about that. That might like I'm I'm gonna be so dying for like some return of normalcy and the shit I like do. I'm gonna be dying by that point where I might be okay. I might just suck it up and be okay with. It. I don't know. That's an interesting thing to think about. Like, yeah, like go in mask twenty mask the entire time you're in or." Not go. That's a tough one. I mean, one. if you think about it, if, if a game is three and a half, four hours long, that's your flight from San Diego to Chicago. Well, as soon as everyone sits down in the airplane, they take their masks off. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. So, as soon my mask was I on. Did not, I did not see that in the airplane I was on. Well, well, everyone uh, was wearing uh, their the, the airplane the that time. I was on, the airplane that I was on, which again, no middle seats, it was Southwest, three and three, middle seats all empty. I would say about half the plane took their mask off once they sat down. Really? Yeah. I, 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 hmm. 
I saw plenty of both. So that's that's a that 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 comes down to airline policy. Then I thought it was like a mandate that you because no one on the no. planes I was on was not wearing a mask the whole flight. Was it a full? Was it a mostly full flight? Was it were you, were you from, next to people from Chicago to San Antonio? Yeah. So maybe Southwest decided instead of yeah we're gonna we're gonna be okay with people removing masks when they're seated because there's a seat in between. Not, I don't know. That's interesting. Feet. I don't know. All, well, I can tell you is that, yeah, myself and uh, plenty of other people around me, yeah, just, you know, sat down, take it off. Hmm. So, I don't know. Interesting. We'll see how that develops, you know, eventually, because eventually, for all I know, the next time I fly southwest in a month or three or four whatever months, you know, for all I know, it'll be a full flight and maybe it'll make me keep it on. We'll see. I mean, the flight I was on was from Chicago. It's always crowded when I go from Chicago to Texas and then much less crowded okay. from Texas back, but it was 95 to 98% full flight. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. So obviously Southwest is adhering to their own policy with the empty metal seat. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, We'll see how things pan out. I don't know. Yeah. Like we said, a lot for us to still learn about the virus, about the virus itself, as well as the psychological effects and the lasting impact there. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, this will be this. Will, we'll frequently revisit. Uh, I actually kind of like talking about you know just the both philosophically as well as psychologically. You know. Yeah. Just. You know the new world of COVID and what it means for us in our minds and how it impacts us. And yeah. And I mean, just, you know, the, it's just been interesting with the, with the experiment too, of all this shit that came out years ago regarding 21 days to form a new habit. We're well beyond that. Oh, I still forget for, to take my mask for, to the grocery store. For, I, all, all I'm saying though, is that <laughs> for, tired. I don't know what habits you're talking of. But I mean, any habit, any any, <laughs> any change in behavior due to this that has actually persisted, like there are probably subtle behavioral changes that are starting to become second, habitual, second nature. Yeah. You know, that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like 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 people like when someone's whether it's some, whether it's a jogger or someone just walking down the sidewalk, you don't even realize, but you're way on the other side of the sidewalk, and you're not even realizing right. it. You're, yeah. the, the amount of space that you clear for you know the oncoming pedestrian traffic to go by you. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, I'm sure it was an intentional act, but yeah, now it's like we don't even realize it. We're just doing that. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually a good example. Um, yeah, that's one thing I because I jog almost. I've been jogging almost every day since the weather got good in April, and that's yeah the 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 the, the people's behavior, just you know no, walking the sidewalks yeah. Yeah, is a, yeah. is very different. And you even noticed it too when you were riding in my car uh, maybe a week or two ago when we were like making an errand or going to the store or something. It's these dicks walking in the middle of the street. The people that are just abruptly shoot across the street whether they're yeah. a jogger or just walking. No, people are just walking just in, in the middle yeah. of the street. Yeah, people walking I, I, in the, like, yeah. people walking in bike lanes across fucking yeah. sidewalks open. <laughs> and people are walking in the I know, street. I, I know. I know. And it's it's like I'll do it on my residential street just for a few yeah. steps before I hit oh, the sidewalk. Oh, it's all streets. It's all streets. It's main streets and residential yeah. streets. Yeah, it's everywhere. And and it's the abrupt nature of it. People are just darting what do you think across. You're gonna get like, fucking COVID on the sole of your shoe and dragging it like. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All I know is that you know when the day comes that I just mow down a pedestrian, 
I, I don't know, dude. I'm, Blame, I don't know that's like, a COVID death. It's true. It's a COVID-related death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing to talk about maybe on the next one. But um, this, has been a, this has been a good one. So yeah. we'll, we'll end on this note. Yep. Thank you, whoever's listening. Um, and hey, yeah, we haven't done this in several weeks. But yeah, we got we to gotta get back to encouraging the write-ins. We just got letters flooding our mailboxes. Oh my god! Yeah, the written in questions. Yeah, no, we'll uh, we'll address those. Yeah, yeah we got a few hundred in yeah, queue. Yeah, yeah. N- next week we'll do uh, <laughs> we'll take care of some of the Q and A that we've yeah. been getting. See ya. Adios.